You are listening to the Coach's Ed Podcast exclusively on the Rush Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. This is Pablo, uh, Rush Soccer's Coach Development Director. And I'm here um, with our Global Sporting Director, Mr. Raul, Bo- uh, Raul Boss. How are you doing, Raul? Doing very well. Thank you for having me on, Pablo. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. Um, as everybody knows, um, this month, the month, of, the month of October, we're actually focusing on um, learning about player evaluation, player coach evaluation, <clears throat> everything that is related to that. So um, Raul is actually a wonderful personality in that sense, has a lot of experience both at the youth and the professional level. So he's a remarkable guest guest that we had today. But um, but I'll stop talking and um, actually, Raul, I'm going to pass it on to you if you want to introduce yourself, you know, let us know a little bit about, about you as a person, as a player, as a coach, and um, how you ended up here working with us. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, we'll uh, try to keep it, uh, keep the boring part short. So uh, still can't hide my accent after being, I don't know, over 10 years here in the US. I'm still uh, have a pretty strong accent. Um, so I'm from Germany, originally grew up there. And uh, like a lot of kids over there played, um, I thought I was was good, but then at some point realized wasn't really good enough to to break through in the professional ranks. Um, so I ended up playing college soccer in the U.S. and played for FIU, um, which was a great time, great experience for me. Um, and at the end, there I had uh, not I couldn't play anymore, had some some injuries, so I became an assistant coach, a graded assistant at FIU. Um, and didn't really think much of, of doing anything with soccer. It wasn't really, I always thought I wanted to do and work something else. Um, so after FIU, I went back to Germany and started working in a marketing agency selling TV rights, mostly for boxing and soccer, um, the rights to broadcast games. The more I was there, I realized I really wasn't happy working in an office, wearing my suit every day. It, it really wasn't for me. Um, and I looked into options and opportunities and started working with a youth club in, in Hamburg, Germany. Um, and little by little, I spent more and more time on the field and less time in the office, which wasn't good for my performance, um, for my job. But uh, it led me to realizing that I, I really love coaching way more than I ever thought at the beginning. Um, so I coached the U17 team there and I was very fortunate that the team was really good. So we promoted to the Bundesliga, the highest league in Germany with the U17s and we started beating some of the biggest clubs in Germany. So we got a lot of recognition and several of, of the players I had then um, made it uh, the professional ranks in Germany, Turkey, Belgium um, and a lot of a lot of good places. So because of that, I really, really, um, yeah, got got excited to do more in coaching and really enjoyed it and had the chance because I was really, like I said, fortunate to have such good players and do so well with such a no-name club um, in the Bundesliga against all those big dogs to, to be able to work for Hoffenheim, which um, is known to develop young coaches and really look for young coaches. So that was great. Um, but all that time in Hoffenheim, I was always hoping uh, to go back here to to Miami, the Miami area. I was always looking looking to do that, always uh, missing Miami. And I was already dating my now wife um, at that time, who is from here, from Miami. 
So I had the chance to become the assistant coach at the Fort Lauderdale Strikers in the NASL. So, um, yeah, I took the chance and, and come over and, and uh, was the assistant coach at the Strikers for over four years, around four years. Um, moved then to the Tampa Bay Rowdies, um, also in the NASL, and then the leagues changed and it was the USL then after. And then um, I was the head coach at Penn FC and uh, in the USL Championship. And that was Rush's first team at the time. That's how I got to know Tim and got to meet everybody from Rush and learn about the Rush family and all those, all those beautiful and good things. Well, amazing. I mean, that, that, that was a good career and definitely a great start um, in, in, in Hoffenheim. Not bad. Um, yeah, I think it was good. Yeah, it happens. You know, the same happened to me actually. Um, when I stopped playing, I, I, I actually when I was playing, I had no intentions of uh, working in soccer. And then um, when I stopped playing and I started working in an office, suddenly I realized how much I love this and mm-hmm. uh, I wanted exactly. to. Do it. Um, now, um, I always like asking this: is um, why rush? What, why, what do you think uh, makes it special? Why, why did you decide to? to get in this board, in this, um, in this mission, in this club? There was two things that really, really, I, I really liked about Rush. So one thing was um, this, this big social arm of Rush, helping, helping clubs, helping clubs all over the world, people, kids who might not have the chance um, to get the gear with the REACH program. I found that site fascinating and, and, and everything that happened there with Rush. And the other thing was, it was, was great to see for me how Rush is able to help the top players, the average players, the regular club, the rec club, the, the absolute superior club. So because of the size, being able to, to give really support and make the clubs better on, on, on whatever level they are, whatever their goal is. So I thought that's something very unique that really nobody was able to. Or I'd never seen anybody provide that to to clubs. So that that really fascinated me. No, no, very good, very good. And how how do you do with the? Because you're not coaching currently. How do you do with the with the world of um, being an executive for Rush and uh, not being on the fields? Do you miss it a lot? Or? I mean, there's times I'm, I'm I'm not gonna lie when I'm I'm six hours on the on the laptop I'm, I miss it at times hundred percent. But it also has its good sides. It's um it's it's great because we have so many exciting projects. We're really moving moving in in uh, exciting times, and and I think we we're gonna get the organization even to different levels and and create more opportunities for for our players. So it's really exciting. So I'm very fortunate about the job that I have now. But yeah, at times I'm I miss the the, the the being on the field working directly with players. No, sure. 100%. 100%. I, I completely relate to to what you say. It's um, I think at the beginning nobody thought about. I mean, when I started coaching, you know, we all wanted to be the best coaching, the best coach in the world. Maybe maybe we we still do, but um, but it was it was such a pleasant surprise to to work exactly. For, for exactly. Yeah. I, I had to move around a lot, you know, when you have. Uh, kids so I have only one son but it was tough at times I was in Pennsylvania they were in Miami I was in Tampa they were in Miami I was always always feeling a, a little bit guilty for not not being not spending enough time with my family so I'm very thankful that I'm still involved in soccer and we are creating so many nice projects and exciting things and I'm still working in soccer and um got to get to spend some some time some more time with my family as well so it's it's I'm very very lucky and blessed 
No, no, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And if you had to uh, go into to the a little bit of more uh, technical aspects, let's say, if you had to describe yourself as a coach, you know, in a in a few sentences, or or at least what what do you think are your cornerstones, the, the things that you know are invaluable to you uh, as a coach? So, from a technical aspect, it's really hard to define because. Um, I'm, if, if I could choose, I would always love to be in control in a game. So being more possession-based because I always feel better as a, as a coach when you have, you, you, you have, the, have to, the things in your control. But you're always, you can only do those things if you have to, that, that kind of talent on your team. So it's not always as easy, especially when you're on a professional level and need to get points. Otherwise, your job might be in jeopardy or whatever it might be. So it's not always that you, you can... Um, really decide everything you want to do and how you want to play it. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work that way. So for me, it's more about credibility and the, setting the right attitude. Um, those kind of things are extremely important for me. Have the, creating the right environment for the players and the, the, that the players truly believe in the goals of the team rather than a specific style of play or those kind of things because that always varies with what kind of group you have. What, what kind of talent level, what of technical, uh, tactical knowledge and those kind of things. No, no, that's, that's, that's a really good statement. It's a really good statement because it's true, you know, um, it, it happens to me too. You know, sometimes it, it has a, you have a team, you don't think that you have the talent at least to to fight that battle. I always say my job as a coach is to is to make my team fight the battle that they have the more chances of winning. Um And, um, and that course. depends a little bit if you develop young players that you, you have a little more freedom. And if you, I mean, parents mm -hmm. might not always be happy, but maybe they will never will be happy. So it's different if you're on a professional <laughs> level and it is, you got to win the game. And if it's ugly or not ugly, you got to win the way uh, the game versus developing players. So those are very two different things. So I would approach a, a youth game differently than a pro game, for sure, okay. in terms of style of play. Okay. It changes, it changes a lot. Um, very good. And and through your journey, I mean, you have evaluated uh, players. Just just uh, taking it to the to the main um, topic that we want to discuss this month. Mm -hmm. um, you have evaluated players both at the professional level and now now at the youth level. You do as well. That it's it's a big part of what you do for for Rush. What's yeah. um what's 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 the difference? What so I mean, the pro player you basically more or less look at the finished product you see a player and you say does this player well first of all you have a criteria and a player has to fulfill your criteria before you even look at him so once you have to establish the criteria and say this is the style of what the kind of player we're looking for then you look at the player and then you need a, basically a finished product Um, and that finished product needs to exactly fit in what you're looking for and your style of play and your system Um, and then the characteristics you were looking for. For youth players, it's more a projection into the future, which is, is not always easy. It's, it's, it's very hard to see, um, but it's, it's really you got to look how would this player do on a higher level with better players in, in a faster game pace and, and predict that, which is not, not, not always easy. And I don't think there's a one formula that's really is is going to be 100% successful. Hmm. True, true. Yeah. It's interesting that you're saying that, you know, actually a couple of days ago, we were discussing the same topic um, 
within the team, we were we were talking about the, the difference between uh, performance and potential. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I understand what you say. You're you're probably a little bit more focused. If I understand what you're saying, a little bit more focused on the performance already on on what on the finished product. Yeah. Youth levels, it's this mystery of trying to figure the potential of the player and. Uh, yeah, and so much changes in, in that time too. I mean, you see a player and he might or he or she might play with a, an average team and sometimes average and players look average in average team, but they do consistently the right thing and it's nothing spectacular, but they keep doing it. And then you translate it to a higher level and they still can do the same thing and that's a good player. And then sometimes you have those those players... Yeah, I mean, a scout, a blind one could see that. They're just so much better. And there's a Pulisic and he just runs. You see the video when he was a kid. He just runs through everyone. You don't really need a scout for that. I think anyone could see that, that this kid is special. But there's a lot of other players that either fall through the cracks or it's it's you You really got to look very closely, like really, really precisely over an amount of game, not just one, two games, to see this player that they consistently do the right thing. I love that you say that, you know, I have a colleague and he always makes the same joke. He's been working in youth divisions for like 35 years. And uh, mm-hmm. he always says, I don't understand when people highlight the guy that found Messi or the guy that found Maradona. Everybody, exactly. you know, the very good ones and the very bad ones, everybody can spot them. The problem is in the middle. Yes, exactly. That's a good, that's a good point. The problem is in the middle. Exactly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you need time for that. I think, um, you need to really truly scout and, and evaluate fairly and do it right. You need time for that. You cannot go by one game because, like I said, consistency. Do it in a, in a, in a number of games, um, the little things. Um, that's very important. Um, also, obviously, for young players. So, sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I was just going to, to add info to that in the sense of um, how's, how's the evaluation process now that you're you're getting into that subject? The evaluation for a pro player or for a young player? For youth player? You can pick. You can pick so we can see the differences as well. So, like I said, so you, for a pro player, you have a, a very, very specific criteria before. So, there's exactly the clubs. They, they have their style of play and they have exactly... A, a profile they're looking for and then you're going to have a number of players before that fulfill that profile and then you look at them at detail very very detailed what's the closest thing to what you want to do and then obviously it come, becomes often down to finances as well if you're able to afford the player and if the clubs what what the contract situation is so on and so forth for youth players um as I just said, there are those who are just so good that you don't really need a scout. Any my, my grandmother could probably see that this kid is, is special. And um, but then there is the one where you really gotta take a closer look. Um, so like I said, consistency is very important. And then younger ages, the technical abilities is 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 an important start. Um, because we don't know what's gonna happen with a player when they're older. We know physically so many things can change. But the technical part, if that's not there, the higher you go, you're just not going to be able to be part of the game. If if you don't have a certain technical level, you're just not going to be able to hang in there on the highest level, even if, if you're physically strong. People were saying, oh, Puyol was technically weak. That's nonsense. Yeah, the guy was maybe weak compared to a Messi. He was still technically a very, very good player. 
Um, so if you don't have this certain technical level, um, it's just not going to happen. That's no, no. That's that's the bottom line for younger players, no matter how good your your physical attributes are. So no, no. that's that's extremely important. And then finding finding solutions. The players, how do they come out? What kind of anticipation and thinking do they have? They're in a tight tight spot. How they're trying to 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 get out of those situations, those kind of thinking, and that's hard to to really measure this. But this is extremely important. And you really got to look what, what position you're looking for. If you're looking at the central defender, the attributes that that person needs to have is very different than we're looking for an outside back, you know, where maybe the, 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 the acceleration levels need to be higher and those kind of things. So it really depends what, what exactly are you looking for and in what position or do we have to narrow it down to positions already? From what age do we narrow it down to positions? So those are the things. Another thing that I would would uh, like to share is um, what we've we've done um, in in Hoffenheim is the scouts would never scout together. So you would be on one side of the field, and they call it a sterile environment, and the other scout mm-hmm. would be on the other side of the field, and then you would have your catalog where you where you write um, your evaluation about the player, and then afterwards you would put it together and see because automatically if if you and I sit together and I tell you, oh look, he's a bit a little bit slow here. No, you you gonna automatically is gonna influence your your evaluation. So those no, kind of things are important. And then don't just go from one game. You gotta see several games. Completely. So, you know in um in economics they study that actually it's called sinking. Sinking mm-hmm. opinion. It's mm-hmm. like if I go to you and I say, Hey, how many countries do you think Africa has more or less than 35, I'm automatically sinking your response because mm-hmm. you're going to say something that's around 35, mm-hmm. unless you know the number. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I would have said 60 if I hadn't said anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So completely, no, that, that makes total sense. And um, but I, I, I really like something that you said, and I think this is really, really important, right? And um, that it's like, what, the, the, what do you look for? And, and you were saying um, it's, it's, it's a lot about the solutions that the player finds. And sometimes you can translate that into hard data, you know, and sometimes you can translate into something that I write down. And um, I think, I think that's really important to me. That's really important. Sometimes we want, we want to fill boxes and we're not looking at the right thing. I don't know if you would agree with that. Yeah. Because the, the, you, you want to rely on, on, on something, but the, relying on hard data is only as good as the data as you have. And a lot of times the data is not accurate. A lot of times if you go, you, you watch USL games and the data you get from Opta or even from Scout, Instat Scout, it's not accurate. So mm. then you have those a little more, but, but you paid quite a high price for Empire and Impact and, and those kind of companies. Then you get accurate data, but you still got to make sure that you can maybe back your opinion with the data. But I think to just rely on hard data is, is, is dangerous. Completely. It's very complicated. Um and um and and, and do you have for instance uh, I'm trying I'm trying to put it in, in an example. Do you have for instance an example of, of a player that you scouted in the past that you were that, that you could say I don't know he, he was not in he was not extraordinary in any of the boxes that I was looking for. He was as good as the others, but he had this. He had this other thing that I saw. It was, was more like a, a player I used to coach, and he really wasn't 
he was never spectacular, but uh, he went from our club to Hamburg as we in uh, Hamburg, and he did really well there. And he, wherever he went, because you could just see that player is never does anything special. And if you if you look at it, yes, a lot of his passes are not not what they say. Those you know, I don't know if you in, in Germany they have those data. They call it packing, where how many how many players you overplay with your pass. So the quality of the pass, or you 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 divide a pass between a uh, how much risk you take in a pass. So his his passes were mostly very secure passes, safety passes. So uh, that's why his his pass average was very high. But for every club he played for, every coach first said, "Oh yeah, he's an average guy. He doesn't do anything for me. He doesn't really break lines or anything." But his statistics were always great, and him on the field, teams would win games because he would just balance it out without ever being anything spectacular. So I'm sure sometimes you have the greatest teams and then you think like like 94 World Cup at Kleberson or like sometimes as Roberto or those guys. They weren't as, as fancy, special or anything, but still there were such important pieces. And, you know, and, and all the data speaks sometimes against them. And still that's extremely important because certain things you cannot find with data. You got to do the work you got to see the player and you got to believe in him you got to really also go then to the club whoever you work for if you believe in the player and say no i really believe in this player no no completely 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 and i was saying i was picturing that i remember not very long ago we we were talking about somebody said this and i can't recall the name somebody said that for instance um defending when you're defending sometimes it's um Sometimes great defending is the art of those things that are not happening, basically, mm -hmm. right? Because it's like if you if you were in the right spot, maybe you took the incentive from me to make a pass and nothing happened. Exactly. So it's like you never intercepted the ball, you never participated, nothing happened, but it's good defending. And, exactly. Um, and it's really difficult yeah. to, to, to see that. That's difficult for a scout. That's also difficult to, to sell that to a club. Hey, the guy has, you know... Or, haven't seen much of him, but that could be a great thing for a center back that you haven't seen much of him because they just organize, were so organized and anticipated so well that they needed. Same for goalkeepers. Some, some of the best goalkeepers are really so good because they organize everything so well before they don't, don't find themselves in too many of those dangerous situations. Completely. Completely. There's a, there's a really good story about that, um, about Franz Beckenbauer. So, So when Argentina plays Germany and Beckenbauer was playing and one of the central defenders says to goes to the coach and he says, um, you know, Beckenbauer, he's great, but in the in one v ones, he's not that great. And they say that Menotti was a coach and they say that Menotti responded, Yeah, but you know what? He's so good that he's never one v one. Because he organizes everything. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't find himself in those situations. He's smart enough to avoid his weaknesses. Exactly. He has those people exactly. to, to do that for him. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a lot to it. What about the... Sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, I think it's not like... It's a... It's a, Scouting is a very tricky one because, yes, you, you have your list and you check the boxes, but there's so many things in between. You got to be convinced as a scout that this is a, is a good player because there's a lot of things that you cannot just put in a piece of paper just by... Uh, he won eight out of his 10, 10 uh, head, heading duels or something. It doesn't always tell you the full story. 
So that's why soccer is so unique. That's why we love it all. That's why we all talk a lot about it because it's not like other sports where you have a clear statistics and that's black and white. It's it's not like that. And different ways lead to success, can lead to success. It needs to be really a balanced, balanced thing. No, no, 100%. And, and what do you think about the 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 stuff that aspects right because um, we can talk it's easy to talk easier to talk about passes or or dribbles but but what are what are the the soft things that we look for that you used to look for at Hoffenheim or one or another club from these players what, what did you want to see in that personality or in his behavior yeah I think that is extremely important behavior personality is is huge because first of all you invest into a player and one player can ruin a whole team. It it really can happen. Mm-hmm. So you got to make sure you have, and, and I don't say everybody has to be the the same kind of person like a robot, but you see certain behaviors, especially when things don't go well, when you get sapped off, when you, um, and there are some guys, they're emotional, that's good for the team. But um, some, some, some players who lose, who lose the, the, the game plan when things don't go well and just do what they want and those kind of things. And and I think this is very important. Body language, how do you speak with the other players around you who might make a mistake and those kind of things are, are very important. At least, at least to me, they're, they're important. Um, that's that's huge, those so-called soft factors. It's interesting. Um, I'm going to say the name Wolfsburg, for example. They now, before they sign players especially from where they don't know the market as well in the culture. So they had a player from South America they wanted to sign. And they had, I don't want to say a spy, but somebody following the player for several weeks to see, does he sign autographs before or after practice? Is he always the last going to practice? And those kind of things to find out what is that that person like? We're signing a great player, but does he fit into our, in the culture we want to have, the culture we want to create? And we're going to invest 20 million well, paying somebody some money to fly over there, following the player around to see what kind of person you get in there is crucial. You can say the same thing for, for the youth level. So it's important what kind of personalities you get in there. Yes, a coach can influence it, but you want to make sure you, you, you bring the right people in. No, no, completely. And, and, and of course, like you're saying, it's, it's so important in the... In, in the team culture, you know, it's like that saying that says one, one, I don't know, in Spanish we say one rotten, one rotten exactly. apple, that, rotten in the And that's what that is. And it is, it's really true, especially when things don't go so well. There's some clubs, some teams that they have mm-hmm. such a in, in integrity within the players and such a strong uh, thing going on that one guy cannot do anything. But especially when the results are not there, things can change very quickly and unhappy people start talking and, and trying to take advantage of this situation so it is absolutely important to, to get the right people and I think that's crucial completely, completely and at the youth level if you're trying to spot talent and I mean maybe you don't have the answer or if you had it you you know it would be worth millions of dollars but um, what's what's the soft the soft data that we want to see in a, in a in a player that you say like wow yeah. I this behavior in the, this from him. Yes, in think. the youth level, I wouldn't, I, I like, uh, I think people who are a little feisty, that's a good thing. I wouldn't be as extreme as on a professional level um, with the things I just mentioned on the youth level because I think especially young players, they they need this a little bit. There's a lot of hormones going on through the body and it's 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 you don't know what's going on in their, in their, in their homes and everything. So there might be different factors. So you, I wouldn't be too strict, but there needs to be this, 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 
passion, this hunger, that this is absolutely crucial. This in, in terms of soft factors, that players are hungry, really hungry to succeed. Yeah, completely. You can't you replace can. that. You, you can't cannot. replace that. Um, Raul, amazing. Um, there's, there are a lot of good tips here. Um, I'm, what did I miss? Did I, what did I miss? <laughs> I it's a, it's, it's a, it's a broad topic. There's not one size fits all. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting topic because the funny thing is like, I, I, I don't want to repeat myself, but the funny thing is um, some players made it and, and five scouts saw nothing in the player and one, one believed in him and, and put him to a club and it worked out. There is, is, there is no one way. And that's the beauty about it. That's why you got to spend the time really with the player, spend the time. And then if you believe in the player, don't let anybody tell you any different because you have a reason why you believe in the player. Oh, completely. Completely. And, um, and if we go, if we, if, if we get a little bit out of this topic, but um, I always like asking, you know, from, from the successful coaches that we have within our, network we have so many aspiring ones right so many people that are trying to build their careers and um so i was like asking what, what would be your your advice what would you tell the, the coaches that are starting and that they want to make it as well what do you what do you, how do you define make it make it as as the the become the best coaches they can be in their environment or make it as high as possible in the league like pre, becoming a professional coach Well, that's a great question, actually. That's a great question to me. Um, to me, that it's it's such a different world. Uh, you know, one thing is the professional world; the other one is the youth. And so let's be the best. let's start with be the, the professional coach wanna, in the world. I, and this is again, yeah. it, it really depends. But if you want to make it in a professional world, I mean, you got to build relationships. At the end of the day, either you've been a great player, then you have those relationships, or you've been in that environment as a player, then you have those relationships. If that didn't happen for you, you probably want to start with some people you know, getting some kind of internships, be open to learn, to listen. Um, but yes, relationships, whoever tells you that's not, not the case, relationships are very important. So networking is important. And then it is more than ever crucial to become a specialist in a certain area, become really a specialist in, mm -hmm. in some teams they have throwing coaches. Some, so do you an assistant coach? You're listed yep. as an assistant coach, but you are specialized on throw-ins and you become a true expert in that field. And all of a sudden you're part of the, the coaching staff and then you can show, show yourself, use this platform in order to grow and then at one point potentially become a head coach but find find a, a unique field where you are a specialist because I think this is really the way to to make it on on the highest level and then you can can show what you really have once you're there. That's really good advice, actually. Nobody really says that. Um, like I didn't hear that one before. That's yeah, what I mean. a lot of video um, younger guys. Who, a lot so of clubs. Much. I don't know if you yeah. you see that, but there's a lot of clubs. They have video analysts who really never played on a higher level, but are really sharp, really tactically, really good. And then they make it um, into into the coaching staff and really are on the lower end. But then they're impressed there, and then all of a sudden you see them grow, grow, grow. And there's some fantastic examples um, of, of of young men and women who made it that way. Completely. I know a couple actually. And um 
yes, the, the, the performance analyst is very popular mm -hmm. right now. Um, and what you're saying as well, the, 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 the throw-in coach uh, with the, what is, what's the name? It's a Danish guy. Yeah, Thomas the one guy who works for like three, four clubs at the same time. Yeah, but nowadays a lot of clubs have at least set-pieces coaches. Like they have a specialist for set-pieces um, and those yeah. kind of things. So I think being an, an, a true expert in a specific area makes you desired, makes you desirable. No, completely. I'm glad anyway that you mentioned that, like what it means, what it means to make it. And I, I don't mean to be philosophical, but you know, the, I would say that the, the youth world is so different. You can be the best youth soccer. It's it's just it's just a different world. It's just a different world. It's not. And if you want to be the best youth coach, that's not necessarily going to take you anywhere close to professionalism. No. It might, but that's right. What is your goal? But you might be. You might really. I mean, I, I'm. I had some some youth coaches who ended up having great careers as coaches who were really not they were only on their own career driven and they were not they didn't influence people in the right way and I had some some guys who really helped us helped me helped other people who helped helped kids with problems really shaped their lives who never made a career but they can really say I influenced people in the right way and helped young young people who, who it's not easy always for 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 young people and they really helped people develop not just on the field off the field they never had a career but they can look in the mirror and say i really did something good so you know it depends what your goal is completely completely final words uh mines are thank you thank you very much for the time um yeah. chat and a lot of good insights and um and in your end a thought or a reflection that's something that you would like to share with the with the audience yeah i honestly um just in in we, we can all be very blessed that we can do all this so in, in let's in just enjoy enjoy the beautiful game have fun enjoy it and that's that's really it it's always good it's always good anyway thank, Raul, you, thank you very much uh, for your time this was raul boss uh rush soccer's global sporting director uh, myself pablo the coach development director thank you everybody for listening to to this podcast And we'll Very talk good. to you soon. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Raul. Thank, 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 thanks for listening to Coach's Education exclusively on the Rush Pop Podcast Network.